0: Hi, welcome to this week's episode of the Support Insights Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Mulcairn. Today I have with me Craig Stoss, who is the Senior Ops Manager for Partner Hero. Welcome, Craig. Thank you very much for coming on.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: So do you want to tell us a little bit about your background and what sort of brought you to the Support Insights Podcast?
1: Absolutely. You know, my background has been in customer facing for more than 20 years in different types of roles. I started in support, but I've done tech consultancy, pre-sales work. I've done a lot of work in the CX space, customer success. And then most recently with Partner Hero, building out customer experience strategies for clients and and working very closely with our partners to make sure that they're successful with their customers and and making sure they're delivering the highest level of customer experience. So I've been very lucky to work with customers in, in over 30. Countries and really bring that kind of international perspective to, to everything I do because I feel that's something that we often miss is the perspectives that different customers in different regions or with different backgrounds may have towards what what customer experience actually means. So that's me in a nutshell. And, you know, I've been writing and podcasting about this industry for a long time, and I came to this podcast because really, truly, I believe that. Any podcast that provides insights to people like ourselves who are in the CX space is helpful. I, I always say that we have a finite set of problems, but there's an infinite way of solving them. And so anything you can hear or learn or read about is is helpful. And that's you know kind of my mission for joining these types of podcasts.
0: I didn't know that you worked with businesses in... Thirty
1: different countries. Yeah, I worked for a company who had me work with some of their biggest international clients. And I spent six years of my career on the road, you know, traveling literally around the globe, meeting with clients in all sorts of different sectors, you know, high tech, finance, aerospace and defense. Perspective has always been a big part of my career. And it's just interesting to see that it's not one size fits all in the CX space. I think there are certain concepts, some of which we'll probably talk about today, which are one size fit all in the sense that they can be brought to any industry or any, any support or success department. But I don't think that if you operate in a, in a global environment, they necessarily translate from one region to another. So from, you know say, a Japan to a Germany to a North America to a Brazil. they don't don't necessarily translate directly one for one.
0: Right. Okay. Is that because the sort of attitudes towards what good customer service looks like is different across different countries?
1: Yeah. I think it's attitudes towards customer service. I think it's expectations of customer service and a lot about delivery.
0: That makes total sense. I have heard that in Japan, the service expectations are really, really high. Is that right? I love Japan. As a CX person, I love Japan because
1: everyone is treated with such high respect and everything from the corner shop to the companies I worked with there, everyone was just given that high level respect. If you walked into your local Seven Eleven in in North America, you're going to get somebody behind the counter that doesn't look interested in serving you in any capacity most times. Whereas in Japan, people say hi to you when you enter the store, when they hand you your cash, they look at you and purposely count the change out for you. Just things like that that are small, but just show that high level of care and respect that's important inside that culture. And, And I think that translates into a lot of other places that we're not used to here.
0: Well, when we spoke ahead of book in this podcast, something you were quite passionate about is creating effortless customer experiences. So what makes a customer experience effortless?
1: Effortless experience to me is the key to a good customer experience. And, and by that, I mean, removing friction. I feel like we in the sport industry love to solve problems that benefit us. A tool, a ticket manager tool like Zendesk, that really benefits us. Right? And so we put these things in, we put in ticket ID numbers and we restrict the channels and the communication and the way you can respond to things. That's friction to the customer. And so we should be focused on how we can deliver that service, maybe using a tool like Zendesk, absolutely, but remove that friction that that, some of those tools introduce into the process. So for example, if you've ever been on a chat widget and you're just not getting the answer you want, like a chat bot widget. And, and you just like, I want a person, like, just give me a person. And you type that in and it's like, I don't understand what you're saying. Well, that's (laughs) friction. Things like asking questions, especially about past events. I mean, it's been proven in the forensics industry that people are unreliable narrators about the past. And yet in support, that's our number one go-to is, oh, well, what are the last five steps you did to get to this error message in this application? Even if they remember they're going to leave out something that's important to you and now. In the SaaS and the IoT spaces, you typically have that data. You as a support agent might not have it, and that I think is the biggest problem, but the company has it because the company has to by the nature of what SaaS and IoT is, which is about tracking and and monitoring and logging all this stuff. I think even going into a retail store requiring a receipt is friction, right? It requires someone to maintain a piece of physical paper in case something breaks. These are all things that are friction. And so to me, effortless experience is just all about figuring out where those friction points are and figuring out how you can resolve those, again, with tooling, with better knowledge, with proactivity, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, later, but figuring out how can I get this information without having to add in pain points along the way.
0: Yeah, and if you implement something new that's supposed to help them and reduce those friction points, there is an element of bringing the customer on board with that. So I don't know if you've got it over there, but over here, if you go into the clothing store a shoe shop or something, they often give you digital receipts now.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: you tell them your email address and they'll send you a digital receipt. When that was first rolled out, everyone was sort of like, you just want to send me marketing stuff. Yeah. You just want to yeah. spam my email with loads of stuff. But since then... I certainly, and I've seen a lot of people who have actually realized this is great because I don't have to keep hold of this paper receipt. I can just get it up on my phone. If something goes wrong and I need to return it and it's brilliant. I
1: love that example because it actually, it actually fits perfectly into what I talk about when I talk about data and using data to remove some of this friction. Right. Because we've accepted that marketing is allowed to use our data to do things that make it convenient. If I go to Google and Google a store name, because I'm logged into Chrome, It knows my location. It's going to give me that store name that's closest to my house. It's going to give me the phone number. And and we accept it, that marketing is allowed to do that. They can take our data, do smart things with it, sometimes evil things with it, and give us an effortless experience, right? Because that's what that is. Why can't that exist in
0: support? Sometimes when you're trying to roll out better ways of doing things, or even just in daily interactions with your customers, stuff goes wrong and sometimes it's just for one customer or it could be on a slightly bigger scale. But when that happens, I think your opinion is that it's very important to be quite upfront when things do go wrong.
1: Yeah, I feel like proactive support is really important. And again, I go back to data in the in the SaaS and IoT world specifically, but I think this can happen in retail world or, or anywhere. The idea is, is that more often than not, The company can teach themselves the signals through internally built tools, or there are external tools that do this. There are third-party tools that do this, where customers either have run into an issue or are likely to run into an issue. And in my opinion, one of the best things that you can do as a support person is to send a notice of some sort or, or pop up a thing in your app or whatever it might be, however you work, and just let people know that. Think about the marketing side of this. You you know, I use Google Drive. I got a notice the other day that said I am 92% full on my Google Drive. Do I want to upgrade my space so that I'm not locked out? Now, that's a marketing thing, right? They're trying to say, hey, upgrade your product, pay us more money. But what about that on the support side? What about, hey, you know, you're about to hit some limit on the size of a widget that you're creating. Here's the things to do to stop that from happening. Or... One of the examples for a previous company was we had a high, this was an on-premises software. And so it was, you know, people ran this on their own servers in their own server room as opposed to in the cloud. And we would say things like, hey, we recognize your memory usage is spiking because of a data increase, know, data transfer increase. Maybe you added more licenses or added more data or added larger data. You need to adjust your memory settings quickly or your server might crash, right? And things where you could go and proactively say, we recognize something and we want you to change it so that you avoid a problem. Issue avoidance, I guess, is another way of phrasing this. There's all sorts of things to do that, right? You see little widgets all the time where they pop up and say, hey, you haven't filled this form incorrectly. That type of thing, but at a more complex level where you've analyzed the data of what problems your customers are having and then providing added guidance. So maybe a link to a knowledge base article or an embedded video that says, here's the steps to fix this thing you're about to see, or here's why you would want to change the thing that we think is wrong, right? That's the type of stuff that I think is, is really important to prevent issues, not for case deflection reasons. I mean, that's maybe an added benefit from the support side, but it's again, going back to removing that friction. The customer doesn't need to call you. The the customer can just continue on with the work and be like, Oh, look, there's something I'm doing wrong. They've told me how to fix it. I'll just fix it and keep moving. No friction at all.
0: I think it creates a level of understanding for a service providing business or a consumer business as well. There's a clothing brand that I order from quite a lot. And I remember a few months ago, they, I think they transferred some of their stock to another warehouse. So it was delaying their delivery and I pay for premium delivery. So they sent out this notice to all premium delivery subscribers saying, you know, just so you know, we've got stock in two different places, it might postpone delivery, it might affect your premier delivery. But they had let me know. So I already understood why there was a problem going on. And even better, it didn't affect me, but they didn't wait and see. They let me know beforehand.
1: That's excellent. I love that stuff. And I think back to, I was traveling when COVID started back in March, 2020. And I was in another country when kind of everything was starting to shut down. And I had some onward flights that I had booked. And I remember the hassle. Every airline had like, here's who gets refunds and here's who does not. But you still had to call and request the refund. And I thought, what a way to add friction. Right. Like you, you, you have the criteria, you know, what flight I'm on, you know, when I booked it, how I booked it, when the dates were like, you have that data. Why can't you just do a search that says all the flights that meet this criteria that we've designed and just start issuing refunds. Why do you need me to wait on hold, especially when I was in a foreign country and paying like you know international data charges to call these places. Yeah. And during COVID, you know, support was already under a lot of pressure to, to be successful. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's the type of thing, like be, be proactive, you know, and if nothing goes wrong, you've lost nothing, right? But if something goes wrong, then the customer knows. And that, that to me is, is just removing that friction. It, it goes back to showing that you actually care about the customer experience because I just don't ever want to email or call a support department. I want you to tell me what's wrong. And I want that data to be clear, whether it be through a Google search or, or through the, the app or the thing itself.
0: Yeah, and there's so many ways to make experiences effortless, not just when things go wrong. I recently registered for a new dentist in my area and they sent me all the forms over email so that I didn't have to fill them in in the dentist office if I didn't want to. I could just, oh, okay, I've got five minutes. I'll just fill in all my medical history now. It does make life a bit easier for them that they don't have to manually do it when I get there and process (laughs) it. But it also means I don't have to sit around in the dentist's waiting room. I can do it at my convenience.
1: Yeah. I, I love that one because I have horrible handwriting. And so I sit there yeah. with a clipboard trying to write and it's like, someone has to read this and probably put it into a computer anyways. Why don't you just let me do it, you know, put it in your computer for you. I, <laughs> yeah.
0: So in general, how do you think companies can take small steps to just kind of improve their customer experiences Or just quick fixes they can do to make the customer experience more effortless straight away?
1: I would argue the first thing you need to do is your support department has to have everything in order. And by Mm -hmm. that, I mean, think about things like what is the state of your external knowledge sharing? Some people have no knowledge base at all, or maybe it's organized poorly or unsearchable. You cannot proactively present knowledge or fix problems if you don't have the data and the information to know what problems you need to fix. Right. I mean, it's one of those things that if your configuration doesn't support proactive support, you will never succeed. So that's the first one is make sure your data is present. It exists it, it, in whatever format I for, for walkthrough things. I love video. I love video that just says like, click, you know, click on this and then click on this and then click on this. And then here's, here's the results and here's why you want to do it. There's so many tools out there now that allow you to record your screen and and just reuse the content that you create. I I just, I think that's so powerful. So once your data is there, the next step to me is doing more analysis, either manually or with the tool. But the idea is where do your customers need assistance? When do they need it? You know, do they need assistance registering? Do they need assistance at a certain widget? Where are they? Are they on an app? Are they on a physical device somewhere like a thermostat or some sort of smart device? Are they on a laptop? So, you know, when they need it, you know, where they need it, and then you figure out, okay, well, how do we present that data in that context? So maybe that's on a physical device. Maybe that's a pop-up that says we've encountered this error. If you go to our knowledge base and search this number, here's the data, here's the information you need to solve this problem. Maybe if you're in an app on your phone, maybe that's a direct link into a knowledge base, or maybe you have a, a chat widget built into your app that, that does something magical, anything that, that kind of solves the problem locally where can that knowledge be reused to figure out how to keep the customer flowing without having to contact you another thing i would say about knowledge is you know one thing that bothers me about knowledge bases is is we structure them in two ways that make no sense from a support perspective and every knowledge management tool i've seen has this idea of categorization and like folders of, of articles when was the last time you ever searched for an article by clicking on a series of folders? Right. That reminds me of the early days of web search when, like, web crawler and Alta Vista and all these search engines that don't exist anymore, did everything. But you know, oh, you want to search about cars? Well, click the cars link. What? That's not how anyone searches today, right? That's not how people search. So it's almost like a mini SEO concept yeah. within your knowledge base. Like, you need to be able to find your articles quickly through keyword searches, not through category, it should be structured in the way your customers are going to search for it, which is, Hey, I I want to do this thing with your product, or I hit this error with your product. I love error codes for this reason. If you type in an error code, hopefully it's keyword deterministic. It's like this error code maps to this thing. Companies like Dell and Oracle are really good with this big, big dinosaur companies that I think have really adopted this really well. So, you know, if you do those things, then your knowledge becomes instantly reusable in many different contexts to be able to remove friction.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, people don't call customer support for the fun of it. They call because they have a problem. They don't know how to fix it. They don't know how to find the answer. People used to search one or two word phrases and then look for what they want. But now people expect things to come to them and people will search detailed things. This is specifically the issue. How do I fix it? Or what's the address of this place? Are they open right now? Do they sell vegan food options? And if that's not coming up really easily online, you're going to have another person calling for something they could have easily found if your information was up to date on your site. The same for the knowledge articles. And there's nothing wrong with people calling or chatbotting or whatever they're doing to try and get support. We're there to help them. But if you're a company who don't answer the phone for half an hour, then this has escalated quite a lot. They've gone from being a little bit annoyed that they couldn't find what they were looking for to now really annoyed that they've been sat on hold for ages and you don't feel valued. That's not effortless. There's some friction.
1: Absolutely. I totally agree with that. We've developed into a society slowly where everything is on demand, right? We have phones here that can answer any question we literally want to answer in a matter of seconds on demand. And support is no different. And I think that's why what we're talking about right here is so important, because if support isn't on demand, if support isn't solving your problems in real time, then you're going to lose loyalty. Like you're, you're going to go to someone who does. That 30 minute wait time, which may have been acceptable in 2000, is, is just not acceptable today.
0: It will just show how much you value your customers if you don't value their time and you're making yeah. them wait on hold for half the day. Because of a mistake that's happened on your end, especially. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. It, it, it affects the brand, right? It, it's People notice this stuff. With Social media, word of mouth spreads faster than ever. And negative word of mouth even faster. And so you don't want to be caught on the wrong end of that.
0: But I think a lot of companies are doing this really well now. They are putting the focus on the customers more than ever from what I've seen. Obviously, I'm biased because I'm in this space and I work with companies who do care about yep. their customers. So we spoke a bit about data. You described yourself when we met as a data guy, actually. That's true. (laughs) How do you think companies can use the data they already have to be more proactive with their customers or within the structure of their business?
1: I think the key word in that sentence is use it, right? What I find when I consult with companies or when I talk to my partners here at Partner Hero Is this data exists. It exists in your ticket management tool. It exists in your, your SAS backend databases. It exists. It's there. It's just, no one opens that up to be used in an intelligent way. And so how could companies use the data? Well, they can use it by making data available when necessary. One thing that I've always loved is this idea of imagine a world where a customer sends you an email or something that has some piece of identifying information. It's like, oh, John Smith from from at company.com sent me an email and you take that email and you go to some database automatically before support even has read the ticket and found out, I don't know, the last 10 things that customer did in your side of your application and put that front and center in an app, or maybe you search your logging system for any errors this customer may have encountered, or maybe you search for previous defects this customer has reported, this company has reported or whatever it is, you gather up all of these signals and you put it in front of the support rep, maybe the success tools involved here, right? So you send a note to the success tool that you use, whatever that customer success management tool is, and you pull in, is this, is this company in, in red? Is there a renewal due? Is there anything that we should be aware of when dealing with this customer? And pulling that all in so that when the person actually reads the ticket or the person answers the phone call, they're prepared to have an intelligent conversation. That to me is just, that's table stakes in the future, right? And there are companies sent to some being in that same space that do a lot of these things. And you don't even have to do it manually anymore. Just bring this data together to make sense. You know, example that I've used in other articles and, and talks I've done is I went to a restaurant that I hadn't been to in many years. It was a higher-end restaurant. It was something that I went to for an anniversary dinner and, and wanted to go out you know, nice and dress up and have a night out. And I walked in, and, and I hadn't been there, I don't know, probably in three, four years I hadn't been to this restaurant. And I walked in, and the server came up to me and said, Mr. Stoss, your table is ready. And as we were walking to the table, he said... Just to let you know, the wine that you ordered last time is no longer on our menu, but we have done you the favor of suggesting two other similar wines that are now on our menu if you'd like to look between those two. And like, wow. wow. Talk about customer experience, right? They somehow kept that receipt, that ordered on me. And when I booked that restaurant, they knew Craig Stoss had ordered this wine. That's the type of thing that I think is really interesting to me in the support space. There's a company that I was talking to recently. Where they actually expose backend data in a way that support can read it and even manipulate it if you allow them to, so that you don't have to escalate tickets to development anymore. And I was like, that's brilliant. Because we've all been in the situation where it's like, hmm, there's some weird thing in the database now. Oh, I, I can't fix this. Let's wait for development to assess it and go in and fix it or fix a bug or you know, whatever it is.
0: Mm-hmm. And that
1: takes time and it reduces friction. Whereas if if you know that. Hey, sometimes something gets set wrong and all you need to do is reset a flag in a database. Why not give support access directly to do that and do it in a way that they can read it, they can understand it, and they can't break anything because you've restricted what they're allowed to do. Because that's the excuse you always get as a support leader is, well, we can't give you access to the database because you might break something. That's always the the reason. So this tool fits that niche. It solves that problem. Those are the things that I think about when I think about how do companies use data is just take that information, filter it in some intelligent way and come out with, here are the things that we can do to help our customers more proactively.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think just just sharing it across departments yep. is so huge. And so many companies don't do that. They keep the support data in the support team unless it's something absolutely massive that's really, really broken and is going to be a disaster otherwise. But if you're just sharing information as it comes in, as you spot trends, you know, deliveries haven't been on time this week. We're having a problem with our courier. Let's feed that back. Let's find out why. Let's arm the support team with why that's happening. Yeah.
1: yeah. The comment about sharing information, I think is really interesting. I wrote an article a while ago that made a comment that even your receptionist, should know about major issues with your product because you have an outage of some sort some massive critical system failure no one can get through support the support lines are full you know no one can get through they're waiting forever for an answer on email they may call the front desk of your business or they may call their sales rep or their account manager Mm -hmm. they're going to call someone and if that person is like well i don't know i guess i'll pass Mm -hmm. you over to support." That introduces friction. Yeah. Whereas if the if the receptionist or the sales rep can say, oh, actually I'm aware of an outage that's happening right now. And the last update I received was that such and such a team is working on it and it's going to be back up and running within an hour or whatever it is. The power of that right? Mm. Stuff like that. It's common in the internet world. Your internet service provider seems to have a map now of the region they serve. And it's like, here are where outages are occurring. And how amazing is that service? Right? Yeah. Because you don't have to
0: call anyone.
1: You yeah. Know, it's you like, don't call anyone. And yeah. you can
0: see sort of, oh, we expect it. We'll be back on around this time. Exactly. And
1: not just you. We have we have construction going on near our house. They're building a new subdivision. And in the middle of the winter, and I live in Canada, where we get quite cold, they hit a gas line and took the gas out for our entire neighborhood. And I noticed that the house was getting cooler because our furnace wasn't working. But I hadn't had a chance to look at it. I was working. And I got an email from our gas company saying, hey, this is what happened. And they gave exact instructions. They're going to fix it. And then someone will come to your door. And test all your gas appliances to make sure they're working properly and there's no faults. And sure enough, it's exactly what they said. And I was like, that's impressive to me. It wasn't just like I'm texting my neighbor. Are you out of gas? It was a very good experience. And they emailed it to our region because they knew the data of my postal code. (laughs) They could, they could email just the people in that postal code. They didn't have to email all of their customers to say, if you are impact, I hate those emails, by the way, the emails that say, If you fit this demographic or this certain set of criteria, you may be affected by this thing. Well, no, you send it to me, like, tell me if I'm affected. I may not know if I fit certain criteria. Those emails bother me so much when I read them from companies. Yeah, no, I completely agree. One thing that I love about Google is when you go to Google's knowledge base, it recognizes your account and it will put up a a thing at the top. For example, the thing you're looking up is only for administrators. You know, the account, CSTOS at blah, 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 is not an administrative account. So here's the article, but you may need to contact your administrator in order to do this. And I was like, that's brilliant, right? <laughs> that, that's, that gets me excited because it goes back to the email thing. Like, If you're affected, do these things. Well, no, they, they, Google just told me that I can't do this thing. I can look up the article and I can read it but I will not be able to do this thing. And instead of me having to go and try and find that out for myself, friction, they've told me what to do to get around that friction. Anything like that is is amazing to me because it just makes things so much simpler.
0: And people will choose simplicity and good service every time. Exactly. The
1: loyalty comes from that experience. I think the piece that we didn't talk about here, I was focusing on customers, Mm -hmm. but this starts at the beginning of the prospect, the customer journey. I talked to an interesting, a person who's a knowledge-based expert a couple months ago, and he talked about, so I talked about structuring knowledge about how your customers want to find stuff. Mm -hmm. What about your prospects? What if your customers are doing kind of an informal RFP and they just want to find some piece of information, like does your product do something that I want it to do? Does that information exist in your website? How many websites do you go to? that are these beautiful, fluffy marketing words that are amazing. And it's like, just tell me what you do.
0: Like, do
1: you, do you do the thing that I want you to do? Marketing is fine. I have nothing against marketers at all, but I'm trying to do something, you know, reduce CSAT. I'll just use something, you know, common, sorry to increase CSAT. (laughs) Sure. That's the outcome. Yeah, I get it. But how do you do that? What do you actually do to improve CSAT? Like what is the actual functions that you perform for me because Every product claims to do the thing, to reduce handle time, increase CSAT, improve deflection, make better customer experience. Every product promises that because that's what the industry we're in. And those are the problems we're trying to solve. So, yeah, I would say it starts at the prospect side. And we, we didn't really touch on
0: that. Yeah, that's your example. say that because on the front page of our website, it says increase CSAT. And <laughs> so now I'm looking on there to be like, oh, God, do we explain how? Do we explain how? <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I think the thing is, I mean, I wasn't calling your website out because I haven't looked at <laughs> it this morning. But the thing that gets me is if I posted in some sort of customer leader forum or on Twitter or somewhere where there's maybe a group of people who are in our industry and said, hey, could you name a tool that does X? Mm-hmm. Or you go to Google and you search, hey, tools that do X. You're going to get similar answers because... A, the company that's the best SEO is going to come up in your Google searches. And then B, the most, the largest tools are the ones that are going to be the ones that are responded to in the social media landscape. Neither of those means it's the best tool for me. So how do I find a tool like Sentisum that until we first spoke, of, I hadn't heard of? How do I find that tool? And how do I know what that tool does so that I can potentially implement it or include it in an RFP? What I talked about is a small company that does the database manipulation for support,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: I had never heard of that tool until very recently either. Right. And, and it's a very niche tool. Like how would I ever search for something like that? Yep. So, so that, that's the thing that I think is important is, you know, if you have a website that, that solves a specific problem, it needs to tell me how you solve it because. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yeah. fair that point, I'm going to have a little dig through our website. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Greg. It's been really nice to talk to you about making customer experiences effortless. I feel like I have come away with a lot to think about, but yeah, it's been really nice to talk to you. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much, Bryony. I really appreciate you reaching out to me and I, um, I hope that your listeners found this insightful.
0: Thank you.